This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. So when you go back now and rethink about the story of the people of the cave, Rabbana atina min ladunka rahmah. One of the biggest mercies a human being can have. You know, on the one hand, if they are on a path to escaping oppression, is protection. That's protection from outside enemies. But in this journey, in the journey of knowledge, the enemy is not outside. Where is the enemy? Inside. You still need rahmah from Allah. The rahmah given to him is his humility. As a matter of fact, I shared with you what he said to Musa alayhi salam, right? And the last time, you've been taught what I don't know, I've been taught what you don't know. First thing he acknowledges what he doesn't know. And as a matter of fact, first he acknowledged what Musa Isa knows. What he knows and what he doesn't know. There's a rahmah from Allah for someone who's learning to acknowledge that they don't know. To acknowledge that they're still on the path. To acknowledge that they might sometimes cross the, where they were supposed to go, and they went the wrong way, and then they have to retrace their steps. Right? This is important because you know when you learn, and you, by the way, Musa salam has an assistant next to him, a student next to him. How easy is it for a teacher to admit they're wrong? It's hard. Oh, I, I, yeah, that, that was wrong. That wasn't right. Wait, let me correct myself. It's hard. It's embarrassing. Then I, the shaitan comes and says, your student is going to think you don't know what you're talking about. You're not really that good of a teacher because you're supposed to know everything all the time. You know? And they say, yeah, well, maybe I did. And then instead of admitting that you're wrong, you say, well, you know, it's complicated. And you, you start, you know, doing a political speech about how there are circumstances in which this might be acceptable. Or Stop, just admit you're wrong. I didn't know. You know what? Oops. Yep, that was wrong. Cool. I do this all the time with students. I not admit I'm wrong. I, I make them feel bad for pointing out my mistakes. <laughs> You know, I'll write, uh, I have to say like, sky, and I mistype it as shy or something. And then someone's like, that, it's that shy, I'm just saying. <laughs> and I'll retype it as sky and say, no, read carefully. The sky. But the means, you know. <laughs> as a joke, that's fine. But you know what? It's okay to admit your mistake. It's okay. It doesn't reduce anything from you as a teacher. So that's a little bit about that, you know, that one rahmatan min indina, how a new light has been shined on it. The rahmah of Allah from outside threats and the rahmah of Allah from the inside, the, the nafs inside of us that needs to be put into check. May Allah keep all of us in check. Um, then of course the, the key words, uh, you know, when he says, قَالَ لَهُ مُوسَى هَلَا تَبِعُكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُعَلِّمَنِي إِمَّا عُلِّمْتَ رُشْتَىٰ Could you teach me from what you've been taught in terms of uprightness? مِمَّا عُلِّمْتَ عِلْمًا رُشْتًا Ilm and rushd have been tied together now. Knowledge and guidance have been tied together. Which is an important distinction. Rushdan here, you can even say, is a kind of tamyiz. Particularly from all the knowledge that you have, knowledge that sets you in the right direction. Such a beautiful word, tying all of what we've learned in this surah together. Listen to this carefully. You can learn a lot of stuff, but you won't have direction. You can learn a bunch of stuff, and you have no direction. You can have, you know, there are people who are nerdy and they have information about all kinds of things. All kinds of things. Sports, technologies, 
you know, fun facts, the cap- states of all the capital, you know, the, the capitals of all the states, you know, all kinds of stuff, but no direction. By the way, this happens even inside Islamic studies. You can know all kinds of stuff. You could know like all the ikhtilafat of how to pronounce this word in the qira'ah of hafs according to per narration. You can know it, and that's awesome knowledge. It's really cool, especially like at a party. But if we lose sight that all of that knowledge is supposed to lead us in a particular direction, the knowledge in and of itself is not a goal. Its goal is to better give you direction. Direction was your goal. Knowledge was just a means to get to that goal. Think of, think of knowledge like a map. The purpose of a map is not for you to go in every street. The purpose of a map is just as much to, of which streets to avoid and which street to stick on to. And if you do take a wrong turn, at least you have a map, which means you can make a few turns and come back on track. You know, In the study of Qur'an for myself, I mean, Qur'an is supposed to be the book of direction. It's supposed to be the book that guides you in the right direction. In the study of Qur'an itself, I can get lost in technicalities and i'rab and nahu and sarf and the root analysis of a word or the 80 different opinions about this one ayah or whatever and lose sight of the fact that I was actually studying this because I want the direction in my life. That's what I was learning before. Not so I can collect quotes and get all like ilmi on people. Because people like doing that. Like talibul ilm, I'm gonna go talibul ilm on you now. I'm gonna quote a bunch of stuff. And most of it I won't even translate, partially because I don't know what it means either. <laughs> <You know? laughs> don't lose sight of direction. Don't lose sight of direction. So it's so beautiful that Musa asks, adds that qualifier, Rushdan. You know, it ties the previous stories together, especially the first one, the story of the people of the cave, because people lost sight of what's the point of this story. Let's just argue how many they were. Let's just argue how many years they lived. You know, you're missing the point. You're just missing the point. So don't miss the point. And by the way, that's the temptation here again, isn't it? Where, who is Khidr? Is he really green? You know? Like, where, where is this place? Is it really Bahrain? I'm, going to, I'm still going to Bahrain to learn now. <laughs> no. That's just some side commentary. It's okay. Get back on track. Just get back on track. And don't lose focus. Okay? قَالَ إِنَّكَ لَن تَسْتَطِيعَ مَعِيَ صَبْرًا وَكَيْفَ تَصْبِرُ عَلَى مَا لَمْ تُحِدْ بِهِ خُبْرًا The theme of sabr is a special theme in this story. Sabr means what? Patience, perseverance, right? Uh, in this story, sabr is made dependent on the recognition that Allah knows the unseen. This is an important lesson. It's very succinctly said here. Sabr is made depend. Sabr is dependent on how well you recognize that Allah owns the unseen. When do we become impatient? Things that happen, that we experience, that we can see, that we can feel, that we can touch. What gives us the strength to be patient through those experiences? There are other things happening that are in the unseen world that you can't see or feel or touch. For all the bad that you're experiencing, there's something good that's happening. The easiest example of that, that's so evident in the sunnah of our messengers, something that I can give you, it's so beautiful is when, the, when you visit somebody sick. They're in pain. They're experiencing pain. They're, they're not able to do what they were once able to do. They're, they're bedridden. They can't, you know, some simple pleasures that like sitting up and eating they can't enjoy. Right? Going out and taking a walk they can't do anymore. And you go to this person and the, the, the prophetic 
words are labas, tahur, inshallah. No problem. Purifier, inshallah. Purifier. Wait, no problem. All I see is problems. No, in another world, in another reality, a reality you can't see, this is actually not a problem at all. In the grand scheme of things, this is, this is nothing. And then on top of that, your body is actually contaminated. Your body is to be cleansed of an internal contaminant that is keeping it from being healthy. And health and purity go hand in hand. And the exact opposite words, no, this is a purifier. Yeah, it's purifying your sins, it's purifying some other mistakes, it's purifying trouble that if you were healthy, you would have gotten yourself into. It's purifying things from your life that you did not want, you did not need. You know, this is the, the idea of sabr. You missed a flight, you were getting, you got on the airport, and you got a security line was super long, and you get to the gate, and sorry, you just closed. And they close the gate in front of you as they watch you running. No. <laughs> Can I get on? No, the gate's closed. But you were making eye contact with me as you closed the gate. You were... No, but it's closed. It's a policy. Once we close the gate, you can't get on. And then she gets a message on the walkie-talkie. There's a few seats over here. It's Jersey. So... <laughs> but it's closed. <laughs> and you're upset. How come they didn't let me on this flight? Oh God, this is so horrible. You know, etc., etc. Actually, maybe, maybe, there was some evil for you on that flight. You don't know. You don't know if you landed early, something bad was going to happen to you on the way home. Some accident you avoided that now you didn't get, you were never even on that road. Because you came home three hours late the next morning. Something Allah planned, averted from you. We look at the scene and we lose our patience. The entire purpose of the story is to know that there's something. Allah always has a better plan in the background. You will experience things that agitate you, that you don't understand, that I don't understand. But we have to rely that Allah has something better planned for us. That's the lesson that's being taught. And so sabr is actually the lesson. The lesson learned. Uh, that's why it keeps making its appearance again. And that's why, you know, لَهُ غَيْبُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ By the way, even before, about the unseen, Allah alone owns the unseen of the skies and the earth. Rajman bil ghayb came before, people making you know, assumptions about the unseen, throwing stones in the unseen. Uh, now, this was actually particularly important for the Sahaba because the Sahaba were going through a lot of trouble at the time. Like this is a Makki surah, they were being persecuted. Things did not look good. But Allah Azza wa Jal has something working in the background. Something's happening that they don't realize. Like one of my, I'll give you one more example of this even if it takes the rest of our time. Um, the, one of the hardest examples to process if you don't recognize this is sometimes in the Qur'an, the Prophet ﷺ is criticized. Like Abasa wa Tawalla, the Prophet's criticized. He frowned, he turned away. Abasa, he bulged on the forehead and he turned away. Right? And that's, how is this a good thing? How is a critique of the Prophet ﷺ a good thing? Or actually the story I just recently taught, the story of Aisha radiallahu anha, how she was slandered. How the, the most noble woman, I mean this woman did more good. I want you to understand the pressure on this woman, this young woman. A fourth of the traditions of the Prophet ﷺ would not make our way, make their way to us if it's not for our mother Aisha. She has one of the most noble tasks, noble responsibilities ever given to a woman in history. And yet, and, and she is one of the most revered, respected, regarded figures in Islam. In Islam. 
And yet, Allah put her through, I cannot imagine a more humiliating experience. To be in that profile as she is, and to be accused of cheating on her husband, and to be accused, and, and her husband being the messenger of Allah Wasallam. And then if that's not bad enough, people from within her own family buying into it. People from within her own family. And this lasting over the course of a month. That experience, what she went through, is so horrible. It's so bad. This is, and by the way, from the, from the shari perspective, the accusation made against an innocent woman is, that itself should be whipped. A person who makes such an accusation or even insinuates something like that, right? They should be whipped. And yet, how did the Qur'an describe it? He says, لَا تَحْسَبُوهُ شَرًّا لَكُمْ بَلْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ Don't imagine it to be a, something evil that happened for you. Rather, it's something good for you. خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ How is that good? It's good in the unseen. But I can tell you some things we can see now that couldn't have been seen then. Until the day of judgment, are there going to be innocent women that are slandered? Innocent people whose reputations are ruined by people's words, by people's casual comments and remarks? Yes, there are going to be people like that. And until the day of judgment, those people will receive their strength and will revive, the, know that their honor has not been tarnished because of the words Allah gave to Aisha radiallahu anha. She had to go through that for all the people until the day of judgment that are going to experience that. They wouldn't have consolation if it wasn't for her. And they'll know, you know, because when, when people say those things about you, one of the first thoughts you get is, maybe I'm a bad person. If all the people are saying this, I must be a bad person. So, and she, she's so awesome. She says, when, when she tells the story herself, she says, radiallahu ta'ala anha, I, I didn't think I was worth Qur'an coming down for me. And she says such, she chooses such beautiful words because now she knows she's worth it. Now she knows Allah made her worth it. And so what Allah does is, if the most honored of people can be humiliated like this, who am I? It's okay. Who, who are you? It'll happen. And Allah will still, Allah is the one who gives the, the dignity. Allah is the one who restores it. So, is good for you. That is the lesson that's been reinforced in this surah over and over again. Anyhow, قَالَ سَتَّجِدُنِي إِنشَاءَ اللَّهَ صَابِرًا وَلَا أَعْصِي لَكَ أَمْرًا Again, you'll find, I'm going to be patient, but this time he recognizes, inshaAllah. I'm going to be patient? Inshallah, you're going to find me to be patient, inshaAllah. And the wujdan, finding, is another theme that recurs here multiple times. فَوَجَدَا عَبْدًا مِنْ عِبَادِنَا سَتَجِدُنِي inshaAllah صَابِرًا Right? Finding is going to be something that occurs over and over again. And finally, uh, I'll reinforce something I said before. Actually, no, I'll go to something new. The, the pattern, the structure, one of the structural things about this story, and then inshallah, probably next time, uh, I'll share with you like a, an ayah by ayah lessons of the story. Inshallah. It's فَانْتَلَقَ حَتَّى إِذَا When you say, uh, how, are, how are each piece of the story structured? First, they come upon something. The first part is, they come upon something. Then Khidr salam does something shocking. Like they came upon the ship, and what did Khidr do? He tore it up, right? Or they came upon the child and he killed him, etc. Then the third part is always Musa alayhi some questions, why did you do this? How could you do this? And then the fourth part is always Khidr reminds him. Reminds him of what? He doesn't explain what he did. He simply reminds him, didn't I tell you you're not going to be patient? Which means Musa alayhi keeps 
forgetting. And by the way, did he say inshallah? He said inshallah. Just because you say inshallah doesn't mean you'll remember. Right? وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ إِذَا نَسِيتْ Remember your mention when you, uh, mention your Rabb when you forget. So, he keeps reminding him, and then Musa alayhi salam responds apologetically, until at the very end, Musa alayhi salam explains his actions. Or, or rather, Khidr alayhi salam explains his actions, and says, okay, this is, what, this is the reason behind this, and this, and this, and this. Interestingly enough, the word dhikr, a play on words. حَتَّى أُحْدِثَ لَكَ مِنْهُ ذِكْرًا This is the last thing I'll share with you. حَتَّى أُحْدِثَ لَكَ مِنْهُ ذِكْرًا Until I make mention of anything for you. The word dhikr in Arabic is reminder. It's also mention. And in the beginning of the story, uh, Khidr said, look, you have to follow me, and you can't ask me any questions. لَا تَسْأَلِي فِي شَيْءٍ حَتَّى أُحْدِثَ لَكَ مِنْهُ ذِكْرًا Until I make some mention of it to you. So the word dhikr in the ayah is used in the meaning of mention. Isn't that clear? But interestingly thereafter, the, the mention, because of Musa salam's nature, because of him not being able to handle what's going on around him, it was never ever anything mentioned. Everything was actually reminder. So the word dhikr, which was supposed to be mentioned, turns into what? Reminder, because that's what Musa salam needed more. He, he, between nisyan and dhikr. So the duality of both meanings is very nicely captured. Sometimes people just need a mention, other people need a reminder. Some students, in, in learning, some students you can say something to them and they get it. Other students, please, let me repeat that again. Oh, could you say that again? Yeah, I can say it again. Okay, just one more time. I think I'm getting it. And that's okay. A teacher shouldn't get annoyed. They should just repeat. They should just repeat. They should just repeat. <coughs> and that's okay. Sometimes for some people, that's how learning works. For other people, you say one time, I got it, I got it. You don't have to say it again. I got it. You know? So Allah make us good students, inspired students by the book of Allah. Hopefully, inshallah, by next time we wrap up the story of Musa and Khidr. These were just some outside notes before we dive into the ayah by ayah. Barakallahu alaykum. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.